Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 398. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto that we say on every show is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Today is a conversations with people we love. And we have somebody we love, even though I just met her. Her name is Danya Rosen from the Peer Health Exchange, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about what the Peer Health Exchange is. But first, welcome. Welcome, Danya. Thank you. Uh, um, what? So James Lipton is that interviewer guy from what you may call it? Uh, actor Studio. Actor Studio, mm-hmm. and he's got those like note cards, and he's like right. been re- researching the person for, for like, like years. Mm-hmm. I don't know diddly squat about Danya or the Peer Health Exchange. So let's, I do. So let's just at least be honest with the audience. Now you do. I do. So, yeah, but Danya I kind of like talked. not knowing anything because then I'll be like an audience member Correct. asking questions like, well, that doesn't make sense. Help me understand that. So right. uh, welcome, Danya. What is the Peer Health Exchange? Great. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. So Peer Health Exchange is a national health equity nonprofit. And ultimately, we believe that young people need and deserve serve equal opportunities to be healthy regardless of their zip code. Okay. Today in Illinois, we know that one in every six young people is actually actively considering attempting suicide. So say that stat again, one in every... One in six young wow. people, Kathy, is seriously considering attempting suicide. Wow. One in five will binge drink and nearly half of all sexually active youth will not use effective birth control. And we know that unplanned teen pregnancy, untreated mental health issues, and substance use, these all lead to high school dropout rates and young people having less ability to, you know, excel in school and lead healthier and happier lives. So this is the reason I really enjoyed talking to uh, Dania last year. When did we talk? Spring? Summer? I can't remember. But we just met up to kind of chat about what she was doing because she knows my friend Manisha. I talk about Manisha on the show a lot. So, um, but uh, sorry about that. Oh, you know Manisha? Yeah, she knows Manisha. Now now I'm starting to piece the puzzles (laughs) together. She's great. Yeah, she is. And so that was how we got connected. But what I love about what you guys do is you see the threads of how all these things interconnect. You know, the issues with school dropout, the issues with mental uh, wellness, the issues with um, sex education, instead of just focusing on one area, you're like all of these thread together. One affects the other, correct? Absolutely. We know, for instance, that substance use and abuse is obviously really directly correlative to mental health and untreated mental health challenges. Yes. It's like the language we always use. It's like it's self-medicating. It's a numbing agent. It's a way to escape. It's however you want to say it. That is, you know, why do kids binge drink? Mm -hmm. You know, what what is the reason that a kid would be like, I don't even want to be in my sane mind anymore? Or they probably think it's their Exactly. Nasty. And I think particularly under the current political and economic climate, mm. schools are underinvesting in health and wellness and social emotional learning. And that's where peer health exchange plugs the gap. Mm-hmm. We believe that young people's ability to stay healthy, and that includes both physical and mental health, is key to their, again, ability to be healthy and, and happy. So what ages, so you work with kids or grownups? We work with 14, actually, we work with high school students and college students. Okay. So our mission is empowering young people with not only knowledge and skills, but access to resources to enable them to be healthy. And we actually do that through a near-peer model. 
So we train college student volunteers to actually go into high school classrooms working with 14 and 15 year olds and to deliver a skills-based health curriculum. And in the classroom, college students, they talk about mental health. They talk about mm-hmm. stigma. They talk about sex and consent and really, you know, sensitive topics all in a language that works and resonates for 14 and 15 year olds mm-hmm. with that near peer. Yeah. So Todd, near peer, meaning like you're talking to someone who's older than you who has more experience but you, you can relate to them because they were just... Yeah, it's not still. some old 40-year-old exactly. talking Exactly. So, so you say 14 and 15, that tells me freshman, sophomore. Are you also working with junior, seniors too? Just freshmen. That's our, oh, just freshmen. Yeah. Okay. That's our intervention age. We know that that's a key year. It's a key dropout year, right? If you are able to pass ninth grade, you're much more likely to stay in school. And mm. we also know you've just transitioned from middle school to high school. You're around mm-hmm. the older kids. You're starting to, you know, potentially engage in risky behaviors, be invited to the parties, mm-hmm. you know, confronted with some tough decisions. But at the same time, you're young enough that we can still shape behavior. Yes. Well, and this is, we're experiencing this right now because our daughter, our oldest is 14. So she Ah. just went to high school this year. And so the conversations are different. And it doesn't mean that it it doesn't mean it's been horrible or awful. It's actually been a fairly smooth transition. But our conversations with her have been different Mm -hmm. because, you know, homecoming was just this weekend in in Elmhurst. And so, you know, you get emails from the school even saying, even though we would do it anyway, that the schools are saying, talk to them. You know, this is our expectation, you know, no drinking, no vaping, no. And so it's well, and not only that, um, which I didn't know, I, this didn't happen to me in high school. Every kid who goes to homecoming has to shake the hands of the principal, some police detective, like as you enter the gym. Really? They need to get close enough to shake their hand, shake their hand and appear sober. Wow. Appear sober, listen in. Yeah, interesting, right? So anyways, I mean, so we're going all over the board, which is kind of what our style is, but I didn't know that. <laughs> and was that in that email that we got? Does it say No, that? I asked JC, I said, how does it work? She's like, well, you got, everybody has to shake hands with the principal and a police officer. So that's and, by design? Yes. Interesting. And I, when I was in high school, we just poured into the gym. Right. So anyways, but... All the times have changed. So you train college kids to come in and talk to freshmen in high school. Is that... I mean, I'm sure you do a lot of things, but is that the most essential thing that you do? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, Is it hard to get schools to say okay to this? You know, it isn't. There is such a need right now, particularly in Chicago public schools and really everywhere, but particularly in under-resourced high schools for investment in health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And so we are partnering with 25 high schools this year, but with additional schools on the wait list. All in Chicago? Yes. And wait list, that means your capacity is less than the demand. Yes. Oh, wow. So I guess that's kind of good, right? Yes, we are looking to to grow and to expand and ultimately reach all young people in need of health education, both in Chicago and and beyond. Do these college students get paid to come in and talk to them? They the- don't get paid. It is a volunteer experience mm-hmm. and a really powerful one. Mm-hmm. So we're one of the most selective college volunteer programs on the campuses that we're at. Here in Chicago, we partner with Northwestern, with mm-hmm. UIC and the University of Chicago. We have about 260 volunteers and they put anywhere from, you know, four to 10 hours a week, depending upon their their role in the, in the volunteer program and their level of commitment. Wow. So it is a pretty big volunteer lift. Yeah, but many of our college students, they're all amazing really talented students. And many of them actually go on to serve their communities. They work in health, they work in education, they're pre-med. So we're also developing a pipeline of 
college students who are familiar with what's going on in their communities and really trained and engaged and ready to give back. Sweetie, okay. when you were in high school, when you were in college, you would have done this. this oh yeah, is totally sure. like a Kathy thing. Well, yeah, like and what <laughs> I <it>. what I <laughs> ended up doing is you know they're like oh you know you want to reach out tutor you know and so I'd show up at the library and tutor kids which I love because you'd get the engagement with the kids and what do you think I talked to those kids about the whole time emotional, their lives yeah, exactly right? they're like the reason I'm struggling in math is because I didn't eat today or that was the younger kids or you know I'm really struggling with my friends or there's a kid in class that doesn't like me and I'm having a hard time concentrating and we keep focusing as uh, you know and again I used to be a teacher so this is not about blaming teachers and, and blaming the schools but our focus is so so focused on the academics that we forget how impacted the academics are with all these things you guys are teaching right absolutely we know academics is critical Co- uh, correct but we know that that needs to happen in tandem with supports for mental and physical health yes it, it, these are the were you going to say something well i just have a lot of questions Okay, go ahead. I, why'd you put your thing back on your because microphone? Because I heard my, my, my nose breathing. Did you really? Yeah, so I put it on. <laughs> we, we were messing with our microphones. So um, is this during school or after school? Great question. So it is during school, which we think makes us unique. So we really, in the high schools that we work with, we want to reach all of the ninth grade students. So we're not an opt-in or an after-school program. So we actually provide our programming during a non-academic class period during the school day so that every ninth grade student in that high school will receive Peer Health Exchange's program. And it's a 13 workshop curriculum and it's skills-based. And that's really important because at the end of the day, our approach is non-prescriptive. So we all know it doesn't work to come in and say, don't drink, mm-hmm. don't do drugs. Right, right. right. But instead, we're really focusing on how do we build the self-efficacy and the dignity and the health-seeking behavior of young people. We believe that when you give young people access to knowledge and to mm. skills and to resources, they will make the best decision for themselves and their and their bodies. Amen. But how do you do that? Like, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. So, you know, kids are going to tune out when you say, hey, drugs are bad. Yeah, no kidding. They've been hearing that since they were little kids. So right. how- yeah, I remember the D.A.R.E. program. Right. Yeah, and was- they still do it. Fifth grade, yeah. So, so what are some of the examples of the program? Like, how do you engage these young kids into having maybe a higher EQ or better sense of well-being? Like, what do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So over the course of 13 workshops, we focus on four really critical skill areas. So we focus on reflection. So how do you decide Mm -hmm. what you care about? Mm -hmm. We focus on decision making. Once you've decided what you care about, how do you make decisions? Then how do you communicate those decisions effectively to your friends, to your peers, to your teachers, to your parents? Then how do you advocate on behalf of yourself and others? And then finally, how do you access resources in your communities? Mm. So Within those four skill sections, we have health content woven in. So we apply those skills to the areas of mental health, sexual health, and substance use and abuse. And that's through a combination of classroom-based activities, through mm. discussions, mm. through some lectures. So really engaging young people in, in different ways. Love it. Is, and that's it, right? I mean, and I love that the first one is reflective because really you have to even know how you think before you're going to think critically about how you think, you know right. what I mean? Exactly. Before you make any kind of decision, what do I believe? You know, it's funny when Todd and I do um, 
you know, we, we talk to parents about talking to their kids about sex ed. And whenever we do that, the first thing we ask are usually is what do you, what do you even want your kids to know? And, and then parents don't even know. No. They're like, I don't know what I want to teach my kids. So how can we effectively teach our kids about sex ed if we don't even know what message we're trying to convey? And so what you guys are doing with the kids is starting with what who do you want to be? What do you want to reflect? What do what do you feel? What do you believe? And that's a piece we miss. We we jump to telling people what to believe. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I do. I do. Um, so is this happen in a classroom in a gymnasium? Um, like how many kids? How many kids? How many college students? Yeah. So we have two college volunteers in every classroom. So as so, you can probably imagine, class sizes vary. We might have a class as small as 20 students. And we might have 40 students. Mm. We're generally in a classroom. Sometimes the gym, it really just depends where a high school places us. We might be in an advisory period or a health class. Mm-hmm. So if I go to high school, whatever, Lincoln High School, I'm just making it up. Um, and I'm a freshman and I'm getting... Um, these services that you guys do, is it the same two people that show up every week for 13 weeks or is it different people? Another great question. Wow, I am on a roll. (laughs) I'm I'm going to give myself some applause for that. Love it. And that's a great question because we're a learning organization. We work with youth. We want to make sure we're always incorporating the voices of youth and always really focusing on how do we get better. And we know our current model is actually we have college student volunteers and they specialize in a topic. So you might learn how to teach a workshop on decision making. And then you would go into different high schools and teach that workshop. Got it. Got it. But we know that there is power in relationship mm-hmm. building. And specifically, we are investing in and actually scaling up a pilot. So now Next year, all of our classrooms will be taught with two volunteers going to the same classroom each week and teaching the entirety of the curriculum so mm. that they're really in building relationships with, with the young people, with our high school students. And we're incorporating technology and different digital mediums to make it a easier for the college student to memorize 13 totally. workshops. It's a lot of work. Exactly. And be to really engage, engage young people in new and different ways. The kids don't get graded or anything though, right? They do not. Okay. They, sure. they do not. Well, and I think the relationship building is so important because when you do get to things like about sexuality or questions, you want to feel like you're asking someone who you've seen their face a few times, you know, mm-hmm. like, or that oh, there's yeah. a conversation going oh, on exactly. where you're, you know, there's a back and forth again, sometimes, you know, I, I, teach sex ed to fifth graders and they don't care that they've never seen me before. They do raise their hand and ask questions, but I think it gets, it's different when you're older. I think there's more of like, do I trust you? Do I know you? Mm -hmm. And so one of the, well, and Todd, I want to make sure structurally, did you ask all your questions? Because I don't want to go too deep and tell you. This may be an unfair question or question you don't want to answer, but do the schools pay you? Do you guys get paid in grants? Is it all the above? How does that all work? Yep. So we've been in Chicago since 2007. Okay. For the first so 10 years, we yeah. just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. For Congrats. the first nine years, our program was completely free, funded fully 100% through private philanthropy. Okay. As we've thought really deeply about sustainability and growing and scaling, we've recognized that we need schools to have a little bit of skin in the game. Mm-hmm. True. So we did scale up a shared cost model. The mm-hmm. schools pay anywhere between five to 10% of our program, and then we do cover the rest through philanthropy. Awesome. That would not preclude us from serving a school that wasn't able to pay, Got it. but it does 
just again support yeah. us knowing that we have some some dollars coming. And is it Chicago based or did did you say national too? We are a national organization. Gotcha. Well, so, that's perfect because we have national listeners, so mm-hmm, we have a lot of Chicago. listeners in Chicago. So if there's parents listening right now, like, oh, this seems interesting, and we'll give all the websites and all that at the end too. But um, if somebody wants this in their school, they got to go to the website and. Yeah, right. a great place to start. And we are in New York City. We're okay. in Boston, here in Chicago, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, and the San Francisco Bay Area. Got it. And just and we'll mention at the end of the show, but it's purehealthexchange.org, correct? Yes. Okay. So I now understand what it is that you do. What else do you <laughs> Sorry for the interruption, folks, but here's a few other ways you can connect with ZPR. Want to find a community of like-minded parents? Join Team Zen. It's an interactive podcast. U.S. questions live, and we answer. We have a private Facebook page. We offer special discounts on certain events. There's really no commitment for you. You just show up when you can. If you miss, no problem. We'll send out a recording so you can listen slash watch whenever you want. Uh, Number two, uh, guys, do you feel stuck in one aspect of your life? No worries. I am a life coach and I specialize in working with men. I'll help you get from point A, where you are, to point B, where you want to go. We can meet face-to-face, on the phone, or Skype. The first session is free. Ladies, need some one-on-one attention? Kathy's here to help. She offers individual sessions for women in Chicagoland. She focuses on women's self-awareness, marriage, and parenting, and she also works with therapists and coaches who want support on supervision with their existing practice. Want to get inspired and meet your tribe in person? March 2nd and 3rd is our third annual Zen Parenting Conference. Our keynote speakers are Cheryl Strayed, the author of the book Wild, Mike Domish from the Date Safe Project, and Orly Waba from the Life Vest Inside. We once again will be bringing parents, teachers, and authors, bloggers, and teens. It's a great way to network and find your tribe. And by the way, if you have a business and you're interested in partnering with us at the conference, Email me at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. And don't forget, if you're a, van, a fan of ZPR, you need to get Kathy's award-winning book, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. You can find her book on our website, or you can go to Amazon. And lastly, if you're looking for a keynote or a presenter, Kathy and I speak to groups, either individually or together. We focus on self-awareness, mindfulness, compassion, marriage, parenting, and how to live a more conscious life. For all this stuff, you can go to zenparentingradio.com and you can check it out. We appreciate you and we're thankful for your support. Now, on with the show. What it is that you do. What else do you <laughs> Solid got? Solid questions. Yes, Solid. And they you. were good. I'm glad you gave that structure because I had to do the same thing when yeah. I was talking with her. Like, you know, you can go on the website and read, but it's like, okay, how does this really lay out? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we really, just as a side note, um, this social emotional learning, which again, it all gets boxed into that language, but it's it's beyond that. It's, uh, it's essential for these kids at this age. And it, it's essential... Even, you know, like you said, you're in the inner city schools, but beyond, you know, there's people in Elmhurst who are asking for this kind of thing all the time, or where can I get it? So I want to like dive deep into the um, sex education part. You already said this, you already alluded to this, but something that we, we say a lot is more information actually helps kids make better choices. Absolutely. Correct? And would you, like, is there anything you want to add to that? Because I think a lot of parents sometimes think, too much information, then my kid will get ideas. And that's, they. the ideas are already there. It's the curiosity of how do I deal with it, right? Absolutely. And when the information isn't there, oftentimes we hear stories about young people using 
uh, Yahoo Answers, asking their yes. friends, they will look for information and it might be misinformation. So we need to really provide young people with not only access to that information, but support them in finding accurate information. Part of our workshops um, are on how to access resources. So we help them. How do you assess the validity and accuracy of a website, mm. whether it's .org or .gov? Yeah. How do you, who are trusted sources of information so that they can essentially use the skills skills framework and apply it not only to sexual health and health, but to any decisions in, in their life? Right. Because you're right. They have, I'm just, you just, I'm thinking about that now. Like imagine, Todd, when we were kids, if you could have just gone on the internet and then anything you found, you would have taken as fact. Yeah. You would have or been, what your fa- friends say, right? Or what your friends say, which definitely was a lot of the well, information that. And you know, there's a parenting podcast, but I, my parents did the best they could, but what they had. But I wasn't about to ask my parents questions about sexuality when I was a freshman in high school. It just mm-hmm. it was too awkward and weird. Now, you and I are trying to cultivate an open line of dialogue mm-hmm. so our kids don't feel weird, and I think we're. We're doing a good job with that. But no, I think it's uh, essential that they can ask somebody other than their parents that is a person that is not Googling it or Yahoo Answers or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, and my question is, Danya, at this, because obviously your focus is the kids. Like the kids need access, the kids need the resources, they need the reflection. But how are parents brought into the mix or are they? That's a great question. And I should say, we don't ever believe that our program should replace parents talking yeah. to their kids and really cultivating um, an open and comfortable environment to talk to their parents about whether it's sex, whether it's mental health or mm-hmm. any of those. But we do believe that there should be a solid base. And we do believe that it should happen in school, augmented by community resources and by parents. Mm-hmm. But we also know that not all young people have supportive family environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and we believe that we need to have that stronger base of support. Mm -hmm. And so like when you guys come into the schools and they're about to, you know, some of your college kids are going to come in, do the parents get a note home saying that the peer health exchange is going to be here today? Or is it, is, is the school saying, no, we're supporting the peer health exchange. This is kind of part of their education. You know what I mean? Like, do the parents need to give like sign off on it or anything? Any permission slips or just, hey, this is part of your high school curriculum. Curriculum, So like any sex ed, we are not an opt-in program, but we are opt-out. So parents do receive a note and they do have the ability to have their their child opt out of the program, but it does happen pretty infrequently. I bet. So, and when you say opt-out, opt-out of anything you do, not just the sex ed part, right? Yes. Okay. And because of the way our curriculum is designed and delivered, all of the content really comes together. So it's not like we have one workshop on sexual health, but rather we will bring up health and health-related topics when we talk about resources, when we talk about decision-making. So it's all sort of embedded together. It would be hard to parse out one or two workshops. And that's what I was saying at the beginning that I love about them is they see the overlap. It's not, it isn't one thing and then this is another thing, a standalone. They all, you know, overlap. Is it hard to get schools to, because I just think, um, you know, the curriculum, you know, our, our high school system is so based on SATs and math and English and science. Is it hard to get schools to say, yeah, this is something, we have plenty of space in our school that like, it sounds like it would be a hard sell to these schools. I think it's ultra important, but not everybody believes what we believe is important and be like, no, we can't take away their study period or a elective or something like that. Is that, is that hard to do or no? You know, it's actually 
surprisingly or maybe unsurprisingly, it's not too difficult. I think a lot of schools administrators really recognize the linkage between health and chronic absenteeism mm-hmm. and general academic outcomes. And CPS does have a healthy CPS indicator. Indicator, excuse me. So there are there are uh, accountability mechanisms for school to have health education and sexual health education. So we actually do help fulfill a mandate for schools as well to have a certain number of sexual health minutes. And you uh, only work with public schools or no? We are currently only in public schools. So what if a private school says, hey, I want you? We are considering what that what that might look like. So having a lean team and limited resources currently, we've really had to prioritize the schools where there's the deepest need. Got it. So here in Chicago, 91% of the young people that we serve have families and live at or below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And so we would love to... We know that not only in under-resourced schools, that young people everywhere across the country are in need of and really deserve access to health education that is non-prescriptive and that is, we believe, delivered through that peer model. Mm. But as of now, we're focusing our resources. And does it go the same for Boston and New York and everything else? Like those same places, it's public schools only? Yes, we do work with charter schools as, Mm. as well. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And again, I love I love her language your language at the beginning, Danya. It's bridging that gap. You know, it's like how do we bring these two pieces together because there somebody needs to insert themselves in there. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because there are two different minds right. going on okay. often. Absolutely. And I, I will say in a lot of the communities that we serve, systemic violence and trauma are mm. really, really deeply impact young people. And I think our emphasis on mental health and destigmatizing mental health and enabling young people to find resources, learn how do you talk to a trusted adult or mental health professional? How do you make a phone call? How do you access your local school-based health center? So, so critical. Mm. Yes. And just like using the language with them. We just screened the movie uh, Angst. It's a um, documentary that's now just starting to make the rounds. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it just came out. So we screened it last week or two weeks ago Mm. in Elmhurst. And just what I found so powerful about the movie is just using the language and how to, just like you said, how to address it with your parents, how to say, this is what I'm feeling. And then when your parents say, oh, you're just nervous to say no, this is a little more than nervous. You know, this is to have the language to do that because, you know, and again, Mm -hmm. when you think about their age, they're feeling a lot of things for the very first time. Yep. I remember being that age, had a lot of, lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. Like, it's like, talk about bridging a gap. It's between childhood and young adulthood. There's so much in there where you're like, wow, I'm feeling so many different things and I don't know where to go. Absolutely. And and to that point, we also believe that it's so incredibly important not only to provide this education, but to provide it in a responsible and comprehensive way. Mm-hmm. So 10% of CPS students identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or, um, or queer. And we believe that having curriculum that is non-heteronormative, that enables young people to have the language to talk about not only sexual orientation, but gender identity yes. is incredibly key. As as you mentioned, Kathy, this is a time when a lot of young people are figuring out who they are mm-hmm. and, you know, exploring exploring themselves, uncovering their identities. And we need to have responsive programmings to transgender and gender nonconforming young people. We need to show different models of relationships that include same-sex pairings in order to not only support those young people, but to build a culture of allies and to really normalize different sexual orientations and, and identities. 
And that's something that I'm uh, really excited about in our program that we're doing and are investing in doing even better this coming mm. year. Mm, I so I think that's so fantastic. And again, I just love all your words. I'm like, okay, that's so good. <laughs> because what you said is that's what I'm thinking is not only are you normalizing and helping somebody who may not identify, you know, uh, heterosexual, but you are also creating the allies where the people around them understand this to be their sexuality and very normal and very something that they can embrace and understand. Allies is key. Exactly. Yeah. It's something where if they are young and they're hearing this for the, you know, for the very first time or hopefully not, but they're hearing it and understanding it and also knowing somebody. We always talk about proximity takes away fear. As soon as you know somebody, love that. you know, as soon as somebody in your family or your next door neighbor or whatever it may be, you know, if it be sexuality, if it be transgender, if it be different race culture, as soon as you know, you're like, this isn't an issue. I get, I, I understand. And so I thank you for doing that. Yeah, ninth graders, ninth graders are smart, much smarter than yes. folks often give them credit for. And the more that we can really engage with them in sensitive issues, the better position they'll be to, you know, live out these values later in life. And I think another example that's particularly pertinent right now with potential rollbacks to Title IX is the issue of consent. Yes. This is something that hardly any adults talk about. And we actually build in topics and discussions around consent so that we are starting at ninth grade, we are starting with young people as they are beginning to explore their sexuality and potentially engage in sexual activities for them to really deeply understand not only how to define consent, but how to give and how to get consent. Yes. Todd, did you know that uh, Title IX, that they're I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, well, our Secretary of Education has decided that that's something, it was an Obama administration regulation or that it was being ramped up and now it's being rolled back. So it's about consent and on... So what does it mean? They're rolling back consent? Like, what what do you mean? (laughs) What I mean is they're not, I think before they were saying that colleges had to take more responsibility and if it be about education or if it be about how they responded when Mm. somebody said they were sexually assaulted, the response had to be different. Education had to be different, and that as whole, directed by the federal government, correct. And and the new lady DeVos is mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, we don't really need that anymore." Correct. Got it. Correct. Is that is that a done deal, or is that still is that in- a done deal, Danya? Ooh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm not either. I know. I know for a fact that she has come forward and said this yep. is our plan. Now, how that implements, you know, does that have to be voted on? Is that going to take yeah. years? I have no idea. Well, and when I hear you talk about consent, we're having a, uh, a Zen parenting conference in March of 2018. Yes, you must come. And I was at the last one. It was. Oh, oh yes, that's were. right. Yeah. We know that. Yes. Um, one of the speakers, his name is Mike Damish, who's incredible. And he, it's all about consent. Mm-hmm. And he uses oh, the same terminology, heteronormative. Oh, yeah. Like, you guys would love each other. I'm, yes, this language. I think you mentioned him when I we met did. for coffee. Yes. I would love so, to meet him. So, yeah, yes. that guy is a, a rock star. And he, it's more than consent. It's, it is about talking Cultures. and culture yeah. and, and communication. And, you know, we had him on the show, too. And that was the thing. You know, we were very focused about, oh, we're just going to talk about sex ed or whatever. No, no, no. no we, it is so much bigger um, than just consent. So, um he is definitely someone, you know, to have, if you come to the conference, obviously you'll see him, but I want you guys to know each other too, because your mission is the same, Mm -hmm. you know? So Todd, anything else that you want to, it looks like you're looking something up. I'm trying to pull pull the Dama show show up, but I'll I'll figure it out. Well, so I'll ask this, Danya. So what, you know, obviously because we so 
appreciate what you're doing and feel so aligned with what you guys are doing. What is it that we could do to support you or what is it that listeners could do to support you? Yeah. Other than give money, I mean, if you want to give money, there's a donate. Oh, there is a donate. There's button. a donate okay, button on there. But it's, uh, in addition to that, yeah. What in addition to, and I will say that that is incredibly important, particularly in a climate now where dollars for health and education, particularly in schools, is diminishing. Mm-hmm. But beyond donating and supporting, we're always looking for volunteers and thought partners. Mm. We are looking to grow and scale and innovate on our program model to ensure that we are having the deepest impact possible on the young people that we serve. So if you're interested in joining joining a board or joining our junior board and really getting active and engaged, that's one great way. You can attend a workshop and see our program in action to really deeply understand the relationship between the high school students and the college volunteers. You can spread spread the word, mm-hmm. uh, direct other people to, to, our, to our website. Mm-hmm. So the junior board, is that college students and high school students or is junior board, what does that mean, your junior board? Yeah, so so that's our uh, advisory board of, I would say, early stage professionals, okay, early mid, stage. mid to late 20 year olds who are interested in getting engaged with a not nonprofit board, but not, might not be at a point in their career, have the financial capacity to serve on what we call the big board. Right. Of course. Understood. So the website again is peerhealthexchange.org. And the Mike Domish interview, for those of you guys who want to you know, readdress the whole idea of sexuality, especially with our kids. Um, it's po- podcast number 347. So it's on slash 347. So, and Danya is the executive director in Chicago. And so if you, but uh, Danya, if, if we had a listener who was in LA or, or somewhere else and they contacted you, could you put them, could you connect them to the right person? Absolutely. Okay. How long have you been doing this for? I have been at Peer Health Exchange for seven years now, although in a variety of capacities. Mm-hmm. I've worked in a few of our markets. I've been here in Chicago since 2014, so about three years in the executive director role. What pulled you into this world? Ooh. I spent the first five years of my career working at an advocacy organization focused on foreign policy and international relations, so mm. specifically non-proliferation, and really loved that work and uh, have a deep love for policy. But I, this was at a time when there was not a lot of political traction for the issues that I cared about, and I realized that you know, all of the dollars going towards the military, going towards maintenance of nuclear weapons, these are dollars going away from our communities, away Mm. from health and education. And I wanted to get back to the work happening on the ground with our communities and health, wellness, gender equity, reproductive justice have always been key to my heart. And I found Peer Health Exchange. I fell in love with the near peer model and I have been here ever since. Love it. Mm. I love it. Well, you're doing a wonderful job with them, especially, I mean, what you guys are doing, the model itself, but the way you're able to communicate about it. It's great. So before we sign off, what did we not ask? What did you not get to share that you wanted to share? What didn't we ask that you wanted us to ask? Like, is there any loose ends that you didn't get a chance to share? Ooh, 
Ah, that is a, a big question. I could obviously talk about our, our work for hours. I will just say, and I'm so appreciative to everyone listening, particularly at this time, we believe that this work is more important than than ever. We have a political climate that is that is challenging and threatening to many of the communities that we serve, particularly for immigrants, for people of color, for LGBTQ individuals. And it's going to take all of our communities and all of us coming together to ensure that we have the support and the resources to uphold our our communities mm. and ensure that all young people have access to health resources regardless of their zip code. They have a right to feel safe, don't they? Absolutely. Yes, they do. We need to, as we always say, let's take care of each other. That's our job. That's right. Um, Danya Rosen, thank you so much. That really appreciate wonderful. you thank jumping you. on board. Uh, the last time, the website is purehealthexchange.org. Thank you for coming. Thank you. All right. See you guys next time. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Domish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone skype or in person contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribemensgroup.com we would love to have you be a part of the tribe if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com under support us it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for, your, for love your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye.